Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Live from Sydney, Australia. Exclusively on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Radio, this is Wrestling's Week That Was. Here is your host, Joel the Man O'Brien. Well, hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was. I am Joel Deman O'Brien, co-editor of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, coming to you like I always do from the land down under Sydney, Australia. And joining us like he does every single Saturday afternoon is my friend and other co-editor of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com, Aaron Ramadaf. And Aaron, what's going on? And are you ready to get into a massive, massive week of pro wrestling news? Uh, I'm always ready. I'm a little under the weather today, so uh, excuse the uh, nasally voice, but um, yeah, I'm ready to go. Oh, you sound good. Uh, it's an hour and a half show, but I'm sure you'll stick with it and be all right. But we have, as, as I just said before, we have so much to cover today. Like Literally, this show is overflowing with important stuff that I have no idea how we're going to fit it in into an hour, hour and a half, but we're going to definitely try. Um, Sting has finally, the man they call Sting has finally debuted in WWE. Like, was this as impactful as it should have been? Or we'll definitely have answers to that question forthcoming. Uh, Survivor Series is in the books, and the authority is no more. So we'll definitely be breaking down uh, what's to come in regards to WWE Creative and where they should go. Um, Sam Punk, during the week, out of nowhere, broke his silence on Pol- Colt Cabana's uh, podcast and uh, talked about everything that's happened since uh, it breaking up in January and more. And we'll, and we'll definitely into that in our podcast of the week section of the show uh but of course we'll be talking uh one of the worst roars in, in recent memory obviously we have a little bit of differing opinions me and aaron but we'll be talking about that nxt smackdown and so much more but before we delve into this week's hot topics remember we are currently on itunes and stitcher as we speak so if you're looking for a practical way to help the show and stay in touch with us on the pwp radio network as a whole uh, download the podcast app on your smartphone and subscribe to PWP Radio Network. And you can do that by just uh, putting that into the search bar or actually typing in Wrestling's Week That Was. And you can click and subscribe to us. And, and by clicking once, you can stay in touch with everything that we uh, do. And it helps us out immensely. Um, very quick uh, uh, plug uh, on my other show, Wrestling's uh, Rope Break. Uh, my current interview with Diamond Dallas Page is up on PWP Radio right now. Uh, 
really great just chatting, sitting down and talking with Darwin Dallas Page about his run in WWE, uh, his current career uh, with D- DDP Yoga. Will DDP Yoga be making an appearance on the WWE's uh, Performance Center training schedule? Uh, tons of little, little tidbits about what he thinks about uh, current WWE uh, product. Uh, yeah, so much stuff to really kind of uh, sink your teeth into. So head on over to Wrestling's Rope Break and uh, check out my interview with Damon Dallas Page. It was a lot of fun to do, and we've got some more interviews upcoming. And I think, Aaron, you're going to be involved in some of those down the line? Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, uh, we've got a couple in the works right now, so um, we'll see if we can get some uh, final dates on those. Yeah, maybe maybe by the end of the year, if not, the new year is going to be bringing a whole new version of Wrestling's Week that was and Wrestling's Rope Breaker. Obviously, as we get closer to the end of the year, me and Aaron will kind of divulge what the hell I am talking about. Now, also, Aaron, there's some t- there's a ton of uh, of articles up on uh, ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Obviously, with the uh, the uh, CM Punk interview breaking over the week, there's so much content to kind of uh, sink your teeth into on on the main site. Absolutely. I mean, we've got so many, especially CM Punk stuff, like you mentioned. Uh, we've got about two or three CM Punk articles um, in the works. Two are actually posted right now um, from our own uh, Cal Wiggins and uh, JCD John. Uh, so we've got a bunch of stuff up. I mean, we've got those two for CM Punk. We've got other stuff like uh, the TNA. With, I mean, if, <laughs> if you want coverage on the TNA move, uh, Protestant Powerhouse is the way to go because we've got about five mm-hmm. articles up. Uh, on the TNA move and, and a bunch of different opinions on it. And, you know, uh, that's always good to have a bunch of different opinions from, uh, of course, uh, Protestant Powerhouse. And, you know, I always say that, that you know, PWP, there's no other website like it, honestly. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it. We we dish out so much original content a week that it's, it's almost unheard of. And, you know, I really am just uh, – if you're not subscribing or you're not, you know, going over – uh, every single, at least day, once a day to look up uh, all the articles. Um, you're really missing out on a bunch of great content. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many different opinions, as you said, and so many different writers that write regularly now uh, going into, uh, leading into January where, like, you know, WWE's products p- picking up and there's so much more, inf- uh, uh, like, you know, like eyes on the product. And, yeah, we've got we've got a really good writing team that's very varied in all their opinions. So uh, if you want some information, especially on that TNA move uh, to Destination America happening next year, um, tons of information about that and opinions. So head on over to ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com to get your fix on on, on just good, old-fashioned pro wrestling editorials because I think that's what we specialize in on the site. So, yeah, definitely check it out. And personally, I've been a little bit dormant on the uh, article writing side, but uh, come next week, I've got, I've got two articles in the works that hopefully should entertain you guys. So uh, look out for that. Um, okay, so let's just get quickly into the top news of the week. Um, Sting has finally arrived in WWE. It's He's been one of the most sought-after characters since the, the end of uh, WCW, and he's been uh, you know completely in the shadows when it's come to when he's going to make, make his WWE re- debut. He came and appeared uh, involving the uh, WWE 2K15 game, and now he has been seen on WWE television for the for the first time, and having uh, him involved in such a ma- monumental uh, impact angle being the end of the authority. Aaron, what's next for Sting? Where do you think we go from here? Well, if you, if you asked me that question on Sunday night, I would have assumed he would be appearing on Raw. Of course, that wasn't the case, and we barely got any mention of him the next night. But 
Um, as far as his debut goes, I think it was really well executed. I think, um, I mean, most people were expecting it. A lot of people, you know, throughout the week were hearing that Sting was going to appear and that he was going to have a major role in the Survivor Series. Um, many didn't believe it, and, you know, obviously because we've heard it a bunch of times that Sting's going to debut here and there. Um, so it was a nice little surprise. Um, a lot of people complained, you know, in particular our own uh, Bill Shannon. He was very upset about the uh, outcome of the uh, authority angle and, and how they decided to uh, implement Sting into this uh, the main event. And, uh, you know, I thought it was just a cool historic moment. You know, no matter if you liked it or you didn't like it, um, you, you, you're able to say I, I saw Sting debut for the first time in WWE and no matter what he looked like a lot of people were bashing the way he looked he kind of looked old and stuff but you know I think those people just really need to get over it because it was just a cool moment and as a wrestling fan you want those cool moments you want those cool surprises I thought the touch on his uh, entrance, entrance music was really cool that they kind of made it his, their own and they didn't use any WCW or, or anything like that they kind of made it their own kind of music um, and I think Triple H sold it very well. I thought their interaction was really cool. Um, and of course, you know, we, we were left with Sting walking out of the uh, building with uh, Dolph Ziggler and the authority ending. So I thought, you know, the, 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 the final booking for that sequence was um, very well done, and it kind of saved the pay-per-view in a whole because, you know, the, the pay-per-view wasn't really going too well up until the main event, and uh, I think Sting and that main event stole the show. Yeah, obviously we'll be getting to uh, Survivor Series and the breakdown of what what worked and what didn't in a few minutes' time. But in regards to Sting's appearance, I don't think you could have had a more impactful uh, debut uh, than have Sting have a hand in the the, 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 authority, the authority's demise. If you look at this old-fashioned pro wrestling booking, and obviously it looks like they're going to be going towards Sting and Triple H at WrestleMania, not Sting versus The Rock, like as as was as was predicted uh, on that SmackDown special a few months ago. But which I'm kind of fine with if it's going to be Sting versus uh, Triple H at WrestleMania because the, the the issue has been established. Sting has had a hand in completely removing Triple H from power. Uh, if they're smart, they'll keep Triple H away from that kind of situation where he regains his power. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a very impactful way to end the show. Uh, crowd reaction was fantastic. St. Louis was great all night, and they just got even better during that great main event. Um, and now it's like a very much a wait and see of when we're going to see Sting again. Uh, I'll be getting into my particular thoughts on Raw and the absolute mistreatment of the great work that was done in that pay-per-view main event, and again, in a few minutes' time. But as far as Sting goes, I think it's going to be a very exciting time going into WrestleMania. And as I plug every single week, I'm going to be there live in Santa Clara to see, I guess, Sting versus Triple H. Do you think that's the match that we're going to see at WrestleMania, Aaron? I'm not so sure they can stretch it out that long. I mean, I, I, like you said, I think I think Triple H will be back soon, and, and Stephanie McMahon. I think th they're really setting up John Cena or, or the or WWE to ask them to come back because you know I think I think obviously in my opinion I think they're going to have something where each week there's going to be a new GM and there's going to be chaos and you know John Cena might you know reinvoke the authority. Who knows? But I I, I don't see them stretching it out all the way to WrestleMania. I could see Royal Rumble maybe. Um, or the pay-per-view before WrestleMania, it's still undetermined what that pay-per-view is going to be called or what the stipulation for that pay-per-view is. Um, I really think that they want to do Sting and Taker. Um, I think people want to see Sting and Taker. 
you, you know, I mean, maybe they can do Triple H and Sting at 31 and then maybe save Sting one more time for, for 32 with Taker and have Taker take a year off uh, from for WrestleMania. Who knows? But I don't know if they can stretch it out all the way into WrestleMania 31 uh, as of right now. I think... <sighs> I think the, the the that three minute stare down. Yes, it was three minute stare down between uh, Triple H and Sting at Survivor Series. Selling that moment, not just the fact that Sting was in the ring uh, and a WWE ring, is that the fact that Sting was in the ring with Triple H. I I just feel from the monumental like emotion surrounding that moment, I just see that being that being the WrestleMania match. And yes, well, how they get, how they how the hell are going to draw it out? Hey, if they keep sting off television like they have uh last week and do the same thing like they've done with Brock Lesnar, maybe they can draw it out to a WrestleMania match. Um but I, as far as Sting goes physically, he's 55, you know, he's like uh, obviously from his TNA run, he's not getting any better in the ring, and I think it's a real discredit to like the future of Sting if they put him in two matches leading up to WrestleMania. Um, or a match leading up to WrestleMania, and then having the WrestleMania payoff match. I just, I think you keep that, you keep that main event special. You keep Sting's in-ring uh, debut special, and you have that at WrestleMania because I just think if you put him in the ring first at Royal Rumble or something like that, it's going to lose a lot of his luster because Sting right now at age 55, he can move, but he's no, he's nowhere near the Sting of old. So I think you got to keep that special to injury. But very quickly, we, we, we'll, we'll go straight into the Authority because the Authority is no more after all, after almost a year of of uh, being on television, being the prominent thing on, on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and all of WWE's programming, it's broken up. But at the same time, Survivor Series broke, broke a little bit of an interesting tidbit that John Cena is now going to be the only person that can bring the authority back. That's obviously, you know, hinting that John Cena is going to bring back the authority. Did you get that kind of vibe too, uh, Aaron? Because I freaking hope to God that this doesn't happen. Well, you know, the fantasy booker in me, you know, kind of is happy about that because, you know, that's the perfect uh, angle for a John Cena heel turn, of course, and everyone wants it and everyone, you know, clamors for it. Um, you know, but I, I doubt that happens, obviously. Um, yeah, 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 it's not going to happen. Do, I, yeah, I mean, I do see that, you know, maybe Cena brings him back, like I said before, where, you know, each week it's chaos, each week it's a different general manager and it's just getting crazy and you know maybe he says well at least with the authority it was kind of civil here but uh, you know i don't really see any reason why he would do it that's the thing like i think he'd been sold by intelligence in a way of you know you they, they built it up to be well john cena wants to get rid of the authority so bad and this is this is it this is winner takes all and you know throwing that little stipulation in there is kind of kind of throws everyone for a curveball and the one thing i noticed and i don't want to jump ahead to raw but um, when Triple H, Stephanie, and Vince were leaving, um, Vince kind of said, you're going to make this up. You're going to fix this. And, and, you know, that that kind of hinted at something. And even when Triple H got into the car, he kind of looked back, and not with a smirk, but kind of like a uh, a look into the into the distance, I guess, and kind of went into the car. So I think there's something hinting at the, their return in, in the very near future. Um, I don't know if John Cena is going to be the one to bring him back, but um, we'll see what happens. I really hope not. I mean, like, I think what you just talked about, that little moment with Triple H, I mean, I think it's the fact that Triple H will be back and Stephanie McMahon will be back in some way. I just think they just really discredit 
Again, WWE just really discredits their own stipulation to this match. Triple H and Stephanie McMahon can come back. I mean, like the the, I, the fantasy booker and me, when looking at the situation of how they're going to bring back uh, Triple H to fight Sting, why can't we just have Triple H come back, like like just as a rebel, like in his trench coat and like he used to be, yeah. uh, no, no suit, nothing, and like have Stephanie kind of dressed the same, and they come back and they just attack Sting or something like that and set up the WrestleMania match and kind of cause their own anarchy and use that as a point, like to to say, I'm oh, going to keep destroying the show, I'm going to keep ruining the show, I'm going to keep destroying the lives of these people until you put me back into power. And I like, I don't know. At the same time, I just don't think they just need to be put back in the power. I'm sick and tired of just authoritarian storylines where someone's fighting against the system. It doesn't always need to be like that. Um, uh, but obviously we'll get into to Raw and how that kind of plays out because we didn't really have an author. Well, we kind of did with Daniel Bryan. Yes, Daniel Bryan uh, returned as well to WWE television for two, for two shows, Raw and SmackDown, but we'll get into that soon. Obviously, uh, in other news, powered by CoolWrestlingNews.com, uh, Aaron, what have we got this week? Apparently, Ishitacha is in a bad way because of a move that seems to be injuring a lot of people this year. Well, uh, yeah, once again, AJ Styles has broken another neck with the Styles Clash. Um, yeah, Yoshitatsu apparently took the Styles Clash very wrong. He Instead of tucking his head out, he tucked it in when, it, when he was going down for it, and he broke two bones in his neck, apparently, and he's been hospitalized for the first time in his career, which was kind of interesting. He kind of mentioned on social media. And that kind of leads me to the question where, uh, you know, should AJ Styles stop using it? Should he kind of put it put that to the side and kind of maybe, uh, you know, only use it on special occasions or only use it when, you know, with, with people that know how to take the move or, you know, should he do something differently with it? Um, you know, and that kind of, you know, I have a whole article uh, set up for tomorrow to, to publish where I'm, I'm going to be talking about that and has the Styles Clash kind of become too dangerous for modern wrestling as we move toward, you know, trying to make wrestlers safer and, you know, with the punk thing that we'll talk about later where, you know, there's no there's no wrestling union like like the MLB or NFL, you know, that we've, we've got to try to protect wrestlers. Um, should moves like this be banned? Should they should they not be allowed to be used similar to the pile driver head that's kind of been not outlawed, but you know, it's kind of an unspoken rule that, you know, you shouldn't really be using the pile driver. So that only raises the question, should the Styles Clash uh, kind of be taken out of this modern day wrestling? Um, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, like Brian Alvarez on Wrestling Observer um, had a, because he's a former, pro, he was a former wrestler and he wrestled for about, I think, four or five years. Um He's taken that move many times in, in some way, shape, or form because, you know, indie wrestlers usually rip off a lot of moves that they see the biggest stars use. And, um, like, apparently, and I, I've heard AJ Styles comment. Uh, no, no, there was three people that were injured. Uh, there was Yoshi Tatsu, there was, uh, I think it was Roderick Strong, and there was an, a, a UK wrestler. Now, I heard from an interview with AJ Styles, because I think, yeah, that's right, Brian Alvarez actually talked to AJ Styles and brought up the fact that that, that person was injured. And all he said was like, listen, uh, a lot of the times there's a, you know, you have a discussion with the guy before you match and he always asks, can you take my move? And he, and he goes, if not, I'll explain what you can do, what you need to do with your head. And the English guy was like, oh, I've been wrestling for X amount of years. I know how to take a move. I know how to take a styles class. I know how to take this, 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 this. And kind of like, you know, punked out uh, AJ to a degree. This is what I heard. And then. Obviously, we know what the end result was. He took the Styles Clash and broke his neck. 
and then he went on Twitter and said, "Oh, Styles is dangerous." I don't know, like, um, like the movie's been, he's been using that move for for so long, and like I don't know, like this year's been a terrible year for the for that move, and maybe. Maybe it comes down to the training of the wrestlers themselves. Maybe the maybe there's just not enough good pro wrestling training out there. Maybe not everyone's going to Lance Storm School of uh, of, of of wrestling training or and getting the right uh, education. Uh, maybe that's a problem with this this day and age because like you know I don't know like these people are just yeah like maybe there's a lot of unsafe wrestling going out in the independent circuit. You see a lot of in, uh, in, independent wrestling. Uh, Aaron in the United States, what, what's the deal there? Are there a lot of safe wrestling, or do you see a lot of like botched moves uh, left and right? Well, that that kind of comes with indie wrestling. I mean, when you when you go to an indie show, you don't expect to see five star wrestling with no mistakes. So that's just the way it is. That's why guys are paid to be you know big stars in WWE, TNA, ROH, oh. and not you know in the indies. But that's an interesting point because I actually went to uh, AJ Styles match last month where it was AJ Styles right. versus Matt Taven versus Evan Bourne, and AJ Styles attempted the uh, Styles clash to um, Evan Bourne, but never ex- it didn't happen. He he went for it once. Uh, Evan Bourne got out of it. Happened again. He got out of it again. So, like you said, maybe backstage, you know, AJ asked Evan, you know, can you take my move? He said no, and they didn't do the move. So. That's fine. I have no problem with that, and, and that that should be the way it is. But, um, you know, and I don't want to accuse AJ of being out of shape or anything like that. But he's 37 years old. Maybe he can't execute the move as well as he used to when he was a little younger. I, I don't know why he, this year has just been awful. Maybe it's just bad luck. Maybe we're blowing out of proportion that, you know, this is just a bad year for AJ and his move. But if I'm AJ Styles, I could not live with myself knowing that I have broken or almost broken three people's necks um, with my move. I would take it out of, I would go out of my way to create a new move or, or outlaw my own move because I just, I wouldn't be able to live with myself knowing that I've done that. You know, I, and I understand that, you know, someone can get injured with a suplex or a clothesline. I understand that, but the margin of error is far w- bigger with the Styles Clash and I actually watched a video the other day as I was doing some research for the article I'm writing. Um, you know, on Wrestle Talk TV, they talked about uh, one of the wrestlers, I forget his name. He was saying that a natural reaction, a natural instinct when you're in wrestling school is to tuck your chin. That's one of the, the basic uh, first things you learn is to tuck your chin with everything. Now, of course, obviously with the Silas Clash, you're not supposed to tuck your chin. You're supposed to put your sh- push your chin out, which is a complete contradiction to your training. So that's something, another piece of element, like you said, where, you know, can you take the move? Can, if you can't take the move, make sure you let AJ know, I guess. But, um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't know if the Styles Clash should be used anymore, considering the amount of injuries it's caused just this year. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to see if uh, AJ keeps using the move and see what happens from uh, from this this latest injury, see if he kind of changes his style. But uh, in other news, about WWE wanting Raw and SmackDown to be equal shows. What does that even mean? What do you mean by equal shows? Well, considering that SmackDown is going to be moving to Thursday nights in 2015, um, apparently WWE wants to kind of... Um, feature bigger storylines on SmackDown. Now, I'm not sure if this means brand extension where there's two separate rosters again, and if that is the case, and I don't know why they would do that because their roster is not big enough to to do that. But um, 
I, I think what I understand by that, what that means is that they want to feature just bigger storylines. They want things to happen. For example, this week, a new day debuted on SmackDown. I think they want something like that, where every week there's something on SmackDown that you have to watch. You have to go watch SmackDown to see it. And I'm all for that. I, I, I always get really annoyed when something big happens on SmackDown, and then they just end up showing it on Raw anyway. And if just just you, if you do that, there's no urgency to go watch SmackDown if they're just going to show you what happened the next week on Raw. So I'm all for that. I'm all for having two shows that are kind of your flagship shows and have them be balanced. Have a main event. Have a main. But problem with having SmackDown as an equal show is it's not live. That's the biggest problem with that show. It's not a live show. You know, live programming is is the lifeblood of, of wrestling, especially especially with WWE and of course Nitro and all that stuff. So, um, I think that might be a big problem with trying to do that. If if you want to make an equal show, uh, you'd have to go live with SmackDown, and that would mean Monday and Tuesday back to back. And I don't think WWE would be up for that. I mean, they're they're up for that here and there, uh, you know, on special occasions, but uh, I don't think they'd be up for that on a weekly basis. And I think that you know. Uh, trying to to make these shows equal with one of them being taped isn't going to work. No, uh, like I'm all for just SmackDown in general being a show that has more happening. I've been an advocate for that since I started reviewing SmackDown. The show, like, there's so many times where the show is pointless and there's no reason to watch it. You may have your one show here and there that's a good show, but at the end of the day, you're like, oh, it didn't really even say anything about the characters, the storylines and whatnot. And uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll be getting into SmackDown this week in regards to New Day and and how, yes, they should be doing every week. They should be doing something big every week that makes you want to tune in. Um, as far as like, yes, uh, live, uh, live compared to taped, Again, Aaron, you're kind of reading my mind here because I will be definitely talking about that in regards to the bad of SmackDown because that, that it sucks the life out of the show the way the show can be edited sometimes. And like, if they can do live back to back, I'm all for that. But you know, um, we'll have to wait and see if this is going to work. I mean, I hope hopefully this rumor is true because anything to make WWE's programming more relevant, I'm, I'm all for. So again, we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens there. Um, now, and Vince McMahon. Now, uh, obviously, it was announced on um, on the on the on the pay-per-view and hasn't really been uh, public public publicized that much, and that's uh, Vince McMahon's appearance on uh, the Stone Cold's uh, Steve Austin show. Yeah, um, apparently, the Steve Austin show is coming to the WWE Network. I don't know if, and a lot of rumors are kind of swirling that if this is just a one-time thing, or they're going to be bringing this back on a monthly basis or something along those lines. My only problem with this is it's it's produced by WWE. So, of course, some punches are going to be pulled. You wouldn't get this. You, a Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast on podcast1.com and a Stone Cold podcast on the WWE Network are two completely different things. On on, on his own show where he's producing it, he, he doesn't have to listen to anybody. He doesn't have to pull any punches. On the network, I feel like he's going to have to. I mean, I don't know if, if they're going to let him, you know, ask anything. And, you know, there's some, been some speculation if Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to ask him about the CM Punk situation, and that would be gold. If, if we can get a live reaction from Vince McMahon on the CM Punk situation on the WWE Network, 
I mean, just imagine. I, I, I mean, that would be a huge breakthrough for the network. It would, it would show a lot of fans that Vince is not afraid to, uh, you know, be real or, 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 or shoot, quote-unquote. So, but then again, like we all, like I said before, I don't know if that's going to happen. I feel like they might pull punches here and, and not go all the way with this, and that's going to be a shame because, you know, they have a big opportunity here. If they decide to do this, uh, you know, and have Steve Austin ask him anything he wants, uh, that would be incredible. Absolutely. Um, like, to combat the, the hype around Sam Punk, there's one way to maybe put more focus on the... Well, using the issue to kind of, like, boost WWE's situation uh, in regards to the network, and that would be the way to do it, is to publicly and, and uh, uh, you know, talk about CM Punk, CM Punk situation. Like, that's the way to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see hear Vince Man's candid views on this. But again, it's WWE who we're talking about. This is the same company that that takes away signs uh, that they don't really want, that, where they don't want any any bad publicity against their name um, uh, being shown. They like to filter through. I like to filter everything on WWE television, um, and I don't know if they're gonna. I, I don't know if they're gonna have the balls to kind of do that. I hope they can. They can produce a produce a podcast on the WWE network uh, that kind of grabs everyone's attention. But yeah, I kind of agree with what you're saying as well. Like, what? How are they gonna do this podcast? Is it gonna be like a podcast that's gonna be rec- like in a recording studio? But there's gonna be videos in recording studio. Um, like 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 they do on radio shows sometimes. I I don't know. I I'm intrigued. Um um, but like you know, Austin's been getting some good uh good guests on his show, and he's always been he's always been wanting Vince McMahon on his show. But because uh, WWE's got their kind of creative and produ- production uh, fingers in the pie here, as so to speak, I don't know what kind of uh, content we're gonna get because WWE has a habit of just kind of give, giving us content that doesn't really tell us very much. So we'll see what happens and see. Um, I, yeah, I, I am interested. If you don't have the WWE Network, you should anyway have. You should have it anyway. Um, but uh, this is a definite reason to kind of check it out at least, maybe just for a month if you're not impressed with everything else. So let's move on to Survivor Series, Aaron. I mean, like, what do, what do we learn from Survivor Series this year? It's the way we break things down here on Wrestling's Week. That was when we talk about pay per views. What do we learn? What were the lessons learned from uh, Survivor Series? Uh, I just want to start with my my first one, and that's uh, that. What did we learn? Well, WWE main events in 2014 can make and carry a show with its booking and its action. Now, I was very skeptical going into this pay per view that, and I'm never a big fan of of show of pay per views being a one match show. It should never ever be like this. There should be interest and intrigue. All up and down the all up and down the card. There should be something that grabs you in every single way. Um, and I really feel like over the over the last few months, WWE's kind of lost that a bit. And especially with this pay per view, which is mind boggling as far as I'm concerned, because as I've discussed every single week, this show was meant to sell everyone on the WWE network. And sure, yes, the main event did a great, tremendous job, almost. Uh, in spite of the terrible television leading up to the to the event, because it has not been the best, it's been actually borderline terrible. And on some some weeks, uh, it, 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 this match just completely encapsulated everything that will interest people. Like it had, it had Sting returning, of course, as we discussed, huge moment. You know, to be a part of that was is what first thing fans dream of being 
you know, being a part of. And they had uh, Dolph Ziggler. Uh, obviously, Aaron will talk about that in a second. What we talk about, what we remember by Dolph Ziggler was such a big part of the show. Yes, he was a massive part of the show. Would you believe? Um, the that we had a big show heel turn in the in the middle of the match where he just completely turned on the sh- on uh, his team. We had Seth Rollins being like just an absolute prick throughout the whole match, having having his uh having his involvement in nearly every all the heel uh, pinfalls, you know. Uh, Rusev being eliminated. Uh, so much drama. And, and like, uh, this is probably the quintessential WWE main event. If they can, like, just kind of, like, you know, share a little bit of the energy down to the, the mid-card, WWE would be on a winning formula. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, and, and like you said, they've been doing this for the last couple of months as far as just trying to sell us on the main event and kind of just filling in the undercard as they go. And, and you know, we've made the point, point a couple of weeks in a row that, you know, for example, Wrestle Kingdom 9, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they have their pay-per-view, the card set up months in advance, whereas WWE, yep. um, they kind of are kind of freelancing and Vince kind of scraps things when he wants. He kind of plugs things here, and, and there's really no direction for any of the superstars up until maybe a week or two before the pay-per-view, sometimes on the pay-per-view itself. So, um, you know, like you said, I think they need to be a little more, uh, just, they need to be able to put a card together that, you know, invokes interest throughout. There's a little bit of uh, something for everybody. There's just a nice collective feel to it. Like you said, this pay-per-view would have been dead in the water if the main event didn't seal the show, and it did. So, Good Absolutely. for them, but it, it you know if if it didn't, that would this pay per view would have bombed. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, at the same time, like it kind of reinforces Vince McMahon's uh, philosophy of like one match pay per views, uh, kind of their job. Because obviously the reaction for what happened was monumental and it was great. <laughs> you kind of hope that uh, he does change his uh, his way of doing things, but you kind of think, well, it's shows like this where the main event was fantastic that uh, it could stay on that track. But uh, I mentioned Dolph Ziggler, Aaron. Now, mm-hmm. Dolph Ziggler, what a night for him. Explain why. I mean, you know, to have the—I mean, I, I give props to WWE for this, where they—they they had the confidence to give Dolph Ziggler his moment. They did just that. He, you know, he channeled his inner Shawn Michaels and and came back oh, from yeah. behind and, and 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 won the match. So I mean, you know, even though he got help from Sting, it made Dolph Ziggler look like a big time star. I mean, you know, and this—I think this proved that WWE maybe starting to believe in Dolph Ziggler a little bit and saying that, you know, maybe we have something with him that we, we just haven't noticed yet. And maybe we, we should be noticing it now. So mm. I think they've finally kind of given him his, his moment. And you've talked about this a bunch of times where each superstar needs their moment to kind of shine. And this might be, you know, one of his greatest moments ever alongside his WrestleMania 29 victory after the world title, um, the night after WrestleMania. So, I think Dolph Ziggler yeah. kind of proved that he can be a main event star. He can be somebody that they rely on um, as far as being a a draw or, or or a big big time star. So I was really happy with with his booking on uh, on Survivor Series. Yeah, uh, and again, it's just it's it's mind boggling again that 
they they do this really uh, up and down booking strategy with him leading up to this pay per view, where he's getting beaten up. Uh, he had some strong victories at the start, but you know then he's still getting beaten up every single week and losing every single week again and losing a Rusev and you're just like, okay, Dolph Ziggler's back to being Dolph Ziggler. And then you watch this pay per view and it's like, it's like it's like the booking team is is, is I'm going to be writing about this actually in an upcoming article. It's like. WWE pay-per-views all year have been almost like a dangling carrot for for something we want to see more of. Um, and it almost feels like the show is written by someone completely different, like especially when it comes to Dolph Ziggler. All of a sudden, like, it just like it clicked for Vince, and all of a sudden, like it's like he's improving storylines where and like booking strategies where Dolph Ziggler's put over ridiculously strong. And like Aaron, I think you kind of underplayed it a bit there. Like this guy. Went three to one, like he came back from a three to one disadvantage and won the match. And like a lot of people have said, oh, oh well, Sting over, oh, completely overshined uh, Dolph Ziggler. Again, I'll talk I'll, I'll, when I get to Raw, maybe that's the case. But for Survivor Series, Sting came out, did what he needed to do. There was a complete like heel beat down on Ziggler. He was getting absolutely slaughtered out there. Uh, but the great thing is, leading up to like when it came down to him and Seth Rollins, he had a visual one, two, three on Seth Rollins where if the referee didn't get pulled out. That's booking strategy number one, why that was great. Second of all, when Sting came in and did what he needed to do and walked off, whose music did we hear at the end of the night that was playing over the speakers? Dolph Ziggler. Wasn't Sting, which is what they do sometimes when there's interference by a higher star or bigger star. They put the emphasis on the bigger star and have the, the other guy fade into obscurity in the back. In this situation, Dolcegler's music was playing. There was a huge shot of him jumping in the crowd and celebrating on his own. John Cena came down, shook his hand, gave him a hug. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, that's... It, it, it's just like again, it feels like this this writing team is completely divided sometimes with with uh, with, with the way they do uh, their pay per views. But um, there were there were the, the fair share of negatives. And one thing one thing I kind of learnt from this pay per view, uh, a solid build to a, a, a pay per view for a partic- for particular characters doesn't always translate to an equal payoff. And what do I mean about that? I'm talking about Ryback. Now Ryback was the focal point of this show he was the he was the he was the he was the character that was or the performer that was going to way uh skip uh, dip the scales so to speak when it came to who like you know whoever, whoever had right back on his side was going to be uh, have a huge advantage and that was the story they were doing the whole way through but he was the first wasn't he the first person that was eliminated in the match Aaron? For team uh, Cena? Yeah, I, I think he was he was the first for Team Cena. Yeah, he was the first person eliminated for his team. Yeah. Again, all these people. You have Eric Rowan. You have The Big Show. You, you know, like, like all these guys that could have easily been the first people eliminated. Uh, like maybe Eric Rowan should have been eliminated first because, like, you know, really he had he was he was in a situation where he could have. Ryback was the first guy eliminated. Are you kidding me? Like you put all this like good work into building the guy up, and he just gets beaten. I think I, was, I don't even think it was a finish. I think it was like a spine buster by someone, or I don't even know. But it was just like all the people to lose. I mean, like again, I'm kind of uh, picking, uh, like nitpicking here in the main event. But uh, that was my thing. But I, I think you weren't that the big, so happy with the finish to Bray Wyatt versus Dean Ambrose on this pay per view, were you? Aaron? 
I, I felt like it was just a letdown. I, I felt like, you know, um, they were having such a good match. I felt, and I think that their psychology was so good. And even Dean Ambrose doing Bray Wyatt's kind of signature in, in the corner where he kind of goes like a spider or whatever. I thought that was really cool. And I just loved their interaction with each other in this match. I felt like it was had such a nice little flow to it. And then just to have, you know, ended in a DQ, I just, I don't know, I was just a little disappointed. I was obviously this. This feud has more to more to see, and there's going to be more to this feud, obviously, in TLC and maybe afterwards. But I just felt like it was unchoreographed. It felt just, especially afterwards, where Dean was, you know, bringing a table in, and, and then he brought a ladder in, and then he kind of stood on the ladder, and it looked like he was going to jump, but then he didn't. And he's like, it was just a lot of just mixed signals with this ending. And I just, I didn't really... I just didn't feel it, you know, and I, I felt like Bray Wyatt needed to look strong here, and he didn't, and, uh, you know, I understand that they want to kind of put Dean over in this situation, but I don't feel like he needed it as much as Bray, you know, coming back from being away for so long and, and losing so many pay-per-views, and, and just, I, I felt like he needed um, to look strong, and he did not, so that was my biggest gripe uh, for this match. Yeah, um, it, it was a very finite ending to kind of the, the the issue as well. Even though it kind of ended on a DQ, like it was very much like he got buried. He got completely buried in all these ladders and tables and chairs. And obviously, yes, that was the time for TLC. But yeah, uh, I didn't have such a big problem with it. I mean, like, obviously it leads to another match. And I knew that was going to happen going in. You just know with like TLC happening or like on the horizon where, you know, obviously you're, you're taking these feuds and you're adding stipulations to the feuds. Um, it's just, it's organic that this is going to lead to a TLC. Well, I didn't think it was going to be a TLC match, but uh, yeah, it, that's what we're going to get in three weeks, well, less than three weeks now uh, on on the WWE Network. I think the match was good. I didn't really have, honestly, the DQ finishes that we've been seeing over the last few weeks, compared to those, this one didn't feel so bad. And I think the match, the, the quality of the match kind of helped it uh, as well. But uh yeah, that was Survivor Series, everybody. Obviously, there's a lot, lot of other stuff that we're going to have to get into. But uh, Roman Reigns in an interview, and I think he's getting better. Uh, Demi uh, Mizdow and The Miz are tag team champions. We'll be getting to that a little bit later on. But yeah, yeah. All in all, by the time we got to that main event, Survivor Series is definitely worth your time kind of checking out. So if you get the chance, check it out. So let's get into the Raw Rundown for the week. Uh uh, I will go out on a limb and say that this show is easily one of the worst roars I've seen in a long, long time. Um, Aaron, first of all, just, just tell me what you think of it, thought about this show because I think we have some slightly differing opinions, but I think it's good to get a positive opinion out before we hit a, hit a negative. Uh, well, you know, I felt like the show... And it's not that I liked the show in particular. Like, I felt like it was well-booked or anything like that. Um, I just liked that for the first time in over a year, it's a positive show. You know, we had every week, you know, we had the authority come out and and, and do a promo. And and it would, you know, it'd just be a very heel mood to the entire show. This was the first show in a long time where it felt like a good show. You had Daniel Bryan come out. You had him, you know, yes to the authority in their faces, and it, and it kind of rubbed it. And it just it felt like a, a it had a good positive feel to it throughout the entire show. It ended with a babyface uh, win, you know, and, and I felt like it just felt like they gave the fans a nice reward 
as far as the mood of the show. They gave him a nice reward um, for the year-long authority angle, and I, I just felt like it, it just felt like a good show to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, every, I, I think the great thing about this about pro wrestling is everyone's got a differing opinion on every single part of what we see on television, and and I certainly have a different uh, kind of feel feel on it. I mean, like, every single segment on this show just just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, there was an exception, and I think Aaron, you're going to bring up the exception and your next point, but uh, for me, I just all the great work that was done in that main event. You had so many things happening in that main event that made you want to see Raw. That couldn't you couldn't wait to see Raw. Personally, I couldn't wait to see Raw. What's going to happen with the Authority out of power? What's going to happen with the Big Show now that he's that he's turned heel? And of course, what is going to happen next week on or next night on Raw when like because Sting is now back in WWE. Now that's the first thing I want to say. Sting is back in WWE. This is not just a, 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 a debut for someone, for a WCW star, like, like say, a, like a Diamond Dallas Page. No offense, Diamond Dallas Page. Or, uh, you know, like, or, or, or a Lance Storm or a Mike Awesome or anything like that. Or even if they were put in prominent roles, you know, this is not The Shield debuting for the first time. I think that, yeah, I think The Shield got more uh, attention the next night on Raw after, this, after their Survivor Series debut than Sting did. Uh, what, I, what do I mean by that? There was, Triple H mentioned him briefly at the start we got a, a good video at the start and then and i think Dolph Ziggler briefly mentioned him in the situation where he pretty much gave three to sting and not to himself for going three like going going against the authority three to one and winning the match he pretty much like yeah and then we had a few of the announcers just like oh you know mentioned it here and there I wanted the whole show to be absolutely questioning why Sting was there. What's his motivations? We got none of that answered at all. All we got was that Sting was involved in the main event. We got no promo by Triple H saying he vows revenge on Sting, how he's going to get Sting, how he's going to make sure that Sting's life's a misery in WWE. There was no, uh, absolutely no impactful uh, follow-up to Sting coming into WWE, as far as I'm concerned. And that is such a monumental sin, and it discredits the great work that was done in that main event at Survivor Series. Because by the end of that show, it felt like just business as usual. And, like, speaking of the main event, you know, like, the main event of the show, like, what did you think of, of this fan voting thing, Aaron? Because, like, because <laughs> that was the main event of the show. It was D Dolph Ziggler and John Cena versus uh, Seth Rollins in a three-on-two handicap match where the fans got to choose his partners. Can you just share a little bit of light on what, what was going on here, Aaron? Because it was just ridiculous. Well, I think the, I guess the motivation or the, the idea for this was, you know, having Daniel Bryan kind of give his power to the people and, and kind of giving a fan vote. I think that was just the basic idea of that as far as just having Daniel Bryan and being in charge and, and Daniel Bryan be, being a, a people person and wanting to, you know, give the power to them. So I think that's kind of the motivation as far as that goes. Um, and as far as having the Stooges, J&J uh, &J Security, um, the uh, Seth Rollins tag team partners, I felt like that was just a simple, you know, giving Seth Rollins his, his due. You know, Seth Rollins has been protected by the authority for so long. He's been, you know, their golden boy. He barely had, you know, and I think this maybe was just his final – uh, you know, just giving him his payback or karma, you know, 
And maybe that's maybe it, was, it should have been done a little better. Maybe you know he could have had some you know formidable tag team partners. Um, but you know yeah. I don't know. I didn't really have a problem with the fan vote or or or, the, or Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury being involved uh, in this main event. I I did, and I'll tell you why. Like I'm fine with what every, every single thing you just said. It makes sense. Yes, I understand why the match existed. I understand why there was fan voting. But I don't understand why WWE even did this fan voting when every single segment where they were plugging this stupid fan voting situation where they were like, yep, choose C, choose C, which was the which was the uh, J&J security option, and where the other options were pretty much going to empower Seth Rollins. Oh, we're going to put him with we're going to put him with uh, uh, Luke Harper and Mark Henry. Mark Henry and I don't know who the other one was. It doesn't matter. Okay, like, yeah, thank you. What? Kane, there you, go, there you go. Why would anyone in their right mind choose uh, the heel to be in power in that situation? Why? Why? And, and furthermore, WWE was just like every single chance they got, they were like, yep, choose C, choose C, choose C, choose C. It's like, why not just ditch the fan voting and make the match and have Daniel Bryan make the match? If and if the plan was to like, if the plan was to make the, the, the whole situation a bullshit situation with Seth Rollins, why not have every single option be a situation where he's going to be disadvantaged? Like, I, it's just ridiculous. Put him up like him and uh, Seth Rollins, Torito, and uh, Hornswoggle will be one of the options or something like that. If that's your end goal, don't just dumbify this whole, like, ch- choosing a stipula- choosing a, an option where every uh, every other option is is, is is unfavorable. Like it's just, it was so such a redundant storyline, a show centric storyline. So it's like, Oh, it was so, un- so predictable and so ridiculously stupid. And furthermore, talking about like discrediting the work that was done at survivor series, Dolph Ziggler, with this, this, this 14 minute main event, getting, uh, getting the heat put on him by J and J security, two geeks getting the heat of Ziggler. And then, and then Dolph Ziggler doing the triumphant hot tag to Cena and Cena winning the match. It's like, come on. Like, this is a geek team. Like, if, he, if, he's, getting heat, if he's getting the heat by uh, Rollins, it would be a different story. But in the end, he's getting absolutely beaten up by Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury, who have been presented as geeks the whole time. Fuck this show, man. I, I hated this show. <laughs> I really did. But there were some positives. Give us another positive, Aaron, because there was at least one. That we both agree on. Oh, I mean, this was the, my favorite part of the entire show. Big Show cutting a promo in the ring, very angry. Very, and I actually, and people were bashing Big Show, you know, and, and the, the big joke going around the internet is that, you know, he's turned heel about, you know, 150 times. Um, but, you know, I felt like his promo was really good. And I really didn't expect Eric Rowan to come out, but he did. And I felt like Eric Rowan. With with the mask, with his jumpsuit, with the the Titantron now, the new Titantron he has, the new music, it, I just love everything about Eric Rowan. I you know I'm gonna plug myself again. I wrote a whole article on why he's a main event talent and he he deserves to be in that spotlight eventually. I'm so happy he gets to be under Big Show's wing in this feud. I'm so happy they get to interact with each other, and I'm very excited for a an Eric Rowan push because I felt like after Survivor Series, he was going to be pushed aside and kind of continue on his, you know, stupid little backstage uh, segments where, you know, now he's going to be in a, in a, a pretty decent feud. 
Um, I'm assuming we're going to get Eric Rowan versus the Big Show at uh, TLC, maybe in a chairs match or something along that those lines, or maybe just in a regular singles match. But I think they need to add a stipulation to that to to catch everyone else's interest besides mine because I'm perfectly fine in the Big Show and an Eric Rowan match. Um, I just love Eric Rowan. He's one of my favorite wrestlers right now. He's one of my favorite talents. I think he's got so much potential. I think the character has so so much potential. I, I, I um, compare him to a George the Animal Steel type where he's a misunderstood, childlike character where, you know, but when he's in the ring, he's a monster. I, I, I really like the Eric Rowan character a lot. I can tell. I can tell you really like him a lot. But yeah, yeah no, I no, like it a lot. I, 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 I can tell. <laughs> but uh, the, um, I don't know, like main event, main event stature. We'll see. Like he's still very, very early for that in that regard. But yes, I think the segment involving it was just perfectly set up. Big Show just did a tremendous promo that was just so heel in nature that was just so articulate and so well done that you that you couldn't wait for someone to come out and beat the shit out of him. And it was Eric Rowan to kind of step it up and and. Eric Roman's mannerisms are, are coming along really, really nicely. He's got great facials. That hell, that beard, that beard is incredible. Like, like you know, like he's got a really great, unique look. And having, is it, again, having him under Big Show's wing to kind of teach him how to be the giant uh, going forward uh, is going to be uh, uh, dividends. And of course, remember, uh, like I, I'm guessing the fan, the WWE wants you to forget this. But remember the tag team matches that were that Big Show and Mark Henry were having against the Wyatt family and what Eric Rowan could do to the, to Big Show? I'm pretty sure he body slammed the Big Show with ease. So mm-hmm. that just shows you the guy is freakishly strong, and we're going to see some great uh, big big mean guy match uh, in the future. And yeah, just a well done segment. And the fans were behind Eric Rowan; they chanted his name. Great stuff. Like, and, and we're going to get into SmackDown later on. And I'm, uh, we also saw, saw some really good, great stuff there in regards to the feud continuing. But uh, that is another here and there. But let's get straight into NXT, the NXT Weekly Awards. Thank God for this show, Aaron, because I tell you, this is another week, another monthly excellent edition of NXT. Uh, just overflowing po- with positives. And sure, like it wasn't the most groundbreaking show. But one thing I just loved about the show before we get into the actual uh, – awards uh was the fact that like they have like they announced the main event for nxt uh our evolution uh nxt takeover our evolution and they have um a whole show based on the mid card uh, semi main event uh matches and they spent a whole hour building up that and putting a semi Zayn and, and and uh uh uh, uh Neville on the back burner so they can give these other programs a chance to breathe. Like this is unheard of when you think of it, the fact that the show's only an hour long and like, you know, if it was WWE up on the main roster, they'd be like freaking out. They're like, Oh, we have to balance it all out. The main event's much more important. So we have to sacrifice the progression of the other storylines, but no on, on NXT. They're like, we're just chillaxed and they're like, yep, we've got all this time. We're going to spend a good hour building up the feuds that are uh, gonna like you know be the the foundation for the show. The Lucha Dragons got the villains got some great time, and that ending, that pull apart brawl ending with the NXT locker room keeping the Ascension and Finn Balor and uh, and uh, Kenta apart. Awesome stuff. Like that was such a great way to go off the show. We got a great uh, Tyson Kidd uh, Finn Balor match. All these positives. I freaking love NXT. Thank God for NXT this week. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, amen to that. I mean, everything, and like you said, they kind of put the, the top storylines, you know, aside, and they really focused in on the mid card and in the undercard. So, and also, I, I felt like there was a nice little mixture of wrestling and a lot of comic relief. I mean, I felt like oh yeah, Von Villains, uh, you know, uh, promo, the little skit they did from Enzo and Big Cass to Marky Marcus Lee and and Tyler Breeze. I felt like there was a lot of nice, you know, comic relief, and that's one of the key points I made to you is that was gen- that was uh, genuine comedy. That wasn't forced. It wasn't scripted. It like they they didn't like sit in a room and say, "Oh, this would be funny," and they put it in there. This was all the talent in themselves being funny. It was Enzo and Cast yes. doing their thing. It was Tyler Breeze, you know, calling Marcus Lee and Uggo and, and being being Fantastic. hilarious. And, yeah. and, you know, the Vaughn villains in that skit. I mean, it was just all genuine, just funny, funny stuff. And that's one yes. of the things I wish they can translate over to Raw is or SmackDown is instead of forcing this thing that they think is going to be funny to actually letting the, the talent themselves do what they think is funny. And, and it translated perfectly on NXT. Yeah, and just riding with it and seeing what the talent does with it. Because, you know, yes, even the Marcus Louis thing I was laughing at. And Tyler Breeze, like the whole segment was fantastic. It was Tyler Breeze versus Marcus Louis. He completely buried Marcus Louis because at this stage in the game, he's not really worried about wins and losses, Marcus Louis. He's got a whole identity crisis going on. So why not just have uh, Tyler Breeze bag him out, get over as a heel, beat him, hit him with his move, and, and pin him one, two, three? It's great. It's fantastic. It's like yes, everyone benefits from this situation. Marcus Gloy's in this. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, loved it, loved it, loved it. What was the MVP of the? Oh, actually, no, sorry. Well, MVP comes at the end. Uh, let's just get the downside out of the way. I mean, like personally for me, it was Carmella. Now I think she's got great presence. I think she's got some really good untapped uh, charisma there. That's going to be great uh, down the line. When it came to a wrestling. And we only saw like 40 seconds of it. Man, it was indie-rific. It was basic. It didn't look good. It lacked uh, kind of impact. And maybe it was the person she was wrestling against. But yeah, but she didn't get to uh, stay, stay in the performance center for a while and kind of get to work on her wrestling. Uh, who was yours? Um, my downside was just, and we kind of spoke about it a little bit earlier, Um I just felt like they should have just done something with Neville and, and Zane, maybe just a quick little promo, um, just kind of hyping the match a little bit during one of the breaks or something. Um, I, and like I said, every week it seems like I have such a hard time finding a downside because I kind of oh, yeah. everything on the show. But if I had to pick one, I would have preferred maybe just a little hype promo of, um, of a kind of Sami Zayn story or something, just in, in one of the commercial breaks or something. Um but you know, like I said, that's not, I'm just nitpicking. There's no real downside this week, in my opinion. I mean, I kind of understand the Carmella thing. I, the only thing I had a little problem with Carmella is not really the wrestling, but kind of taking Enzo and Enzo's kind of gimmick as far as talking on her way to the ring. You know what I mean? Like I just I feel like they should let Enzo and Cass do more of the talking. I mean, I I don't have her. I don't have a problem with her talking a little bit, but they, she kind of stole his. I guess his rap in in a way, you know, his his gimmick in in, in some sort. So, I I would prefer her to kind of do a little less talking and let Enzo do more of the talking. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, that's a fair call. Um, but like moving on to the up and comer of the week. Uh, my up and comer of the week was actually the Lucha Dragons. 
Now, uh, the NXT Tag Team Champions, but obviously everyone's in NXT, so they're kind of always growing towards something bigger and better, being the WWE main roster. But um, I think they were just really kind of nailed the Tag Team Championship Showcase match um, and just doing a great job with it. Like, these are the guys who, like, wrestle every single week. They have a competitive, good, solid TV match. And this week it was... uh, Jason Jordan and Ty Dillinger are yet another tag team geek team that's just really solid and awesome, uh, awesome combination. And, th- and they just continually go out there and just have these really good, great matches where, wow, they look like tag team champions. And it all comes down to put, how making Kalista Kal- that hot tag guy. Because, you know, like, you know, uh, Hunico, who's in Kara, is just a great worker, great seller, great, you know, he's a really good mechanic in that ring. Then you have the high fly come in uh, in Kalisto, mm-hmm. Samurai del Sol, and just absolutely kill it. And just like show things that just are reminiscent of Rey Mysterio. I still believe that Kalisto is the next Rey Mysterio. If WWE, uh, uh, WWE's negotiations with Mysterio fall apart, he is the next successor to Mysterio as far as I'm concerned. But uh, who was your up and comer of the week, Aaron? Um, I'm a cover of the league with Kevin Steen. I felt like he, or Kevin Owen, he really broke out in this, this latest promo of his. I felt like the first one was kind of just a little taste and we got a lot more of the backstory as far as, um, you know, his, you know, his journey. And, and I like that WWE is not really shying away from that, but they're not going to act like we don't know who this is and, and we don't, you know, understand or something like that. I like that they're kind of owning it and, and letting Steen, be himself and i like that they gave him the fight shirt you know that they're they're kind of letting his character come over to wwe and not really changing it too much um i thought the promo was solid great stuff i'm really excited for his debut uh and i hope that they can give him a solid um you know a solid uh, debut when he does debut this is my well. It's, it's funny you say that because I'm moving straight to my MVP of the week because Kevin Owens was my MVP of the week, and he hasn't even debuted yet. This promo, this promo video, ticked every single box imaginable when it came to pushing and promoting an upcoming superstar. He was based in he's based in reality because we get the whole idea that he's a family man and why he fights. Uh, he's got a family, you know, he's got a daughter at home. We see photos of his, you know, we see photos with he and his wife. He's completely humanized from the get-go. Boom. Tick that box. Then we see him as a legitimate fighter. We see him, we have shots of him, you know, putting guys in in in, uh, in chokeholds and suplexing them to death, you know, while he's talking about, yeah, he loves competition. This is no corny bullshit stuff. This is, this guy seems like he's, He's, you know, this is a legitimate fighter. He's there to screw, you know, to screw things up for, for people who want to want to get to the top of the business. He is all about getting to the top of the business, being the best that he can be. Again, this is no corny, uh, stereotypical wrestling promo. Well, maybe it is, you know, uh, you know, going back to the old school days. But then, you know, like, and then they have a, a complete association still with his original character that he's made famous. In ROH, the whole fight steam fight thing. Like, obviously, they can't. They, they don't want the uh, crowd to be chanting that, that name. Well, I guarantee that Full Sail University at NXT Takeover is going to be chanting "fight steam fight," and they're going to be going all all, all over uh, Kevin Steen. But 
keeping that association with the ROH character is so smart because that's what he was known for. And like, you know, this is this is perfect. It was just the perfect video for Kevin Owens uh, moving forward. Um, what was your MVP to finish the things off here, Aaron? MVP of the week. This is kind of a lifetime achievement award in a sense. I'm giving it to Tyson <laughs> Kidd. I mean, as far as a oh, guy yeah. that always deliver whatever you can put him with anybody. You can put him with Zane, put him with Adrian Neville, put him with Finn Balor, anybody. He can always deliver a main event match, and that's why he is slowly building a little push that they're kind of giving him on the main roster. And I feel like he's earned that. And that's why I'm giving him the MVP of the week, not so much as being the MVP of this episode, but being an MVP for NXT for so long, um, you know, he's just been solid and and just always putting on a good match, always putting on a solid gimmick. And and I I feel like he deserves uh, this award for uh, this episode in particular. It's funny you say that because this is a great tie-in to the good and the bad of SmackDown this week, uh, the SmackDown review that we do every single Saturday. Um, the first good point I want to say about SmackDown is that hope really exists uh, in WWE when you see talent on show. And SmackDown's been doing this as of late, having at least one match where, where, where talent such as Tyson Kidd is getting that push and being a much more of a prominent figure on WWE television. Uh, for those who don't know, there was a US Heavyweight Championship Battle Royale uh, with Rusev. Uh, because of Rusev's uh, inability to uh, do the the oh my god what, what what's the the pledge on Raw because uh, Daniel Bryan forced him to do it but he didn't do it and if he said if he didn't do it if there's there's going to be a US Heavyweight Championship Battle Royale so Daniel Bryan followed through with this and ended up making the Battle Royale and of course Tyson Kidd was the one it was in the was in the final four of this match and the final four the final minutes of this Battle Royale were awesome they showcased swagger cesaro uh rusev and kid and every single guy looked fantastic it was exciting i mean they re- i really feel like tyson kid is getting that push and getting that a uh, prominent role in wwe right now because he's getting wins he's sure it's not like it's not like he's being lower to mid lower mid card guys like adam rose and all that stuff but he's winning on television and i guarantee you if he keeps winning and getting in prominent roles on television fans are going to get behind the character and he's got that he's got he's got a real great heel the whole natalia natty's husband thing it worked in nxt it's going to work here on television if they just keep putting him in situations where he seems important if he keeps winning it makes sense you know and uh this match was just a a really good showcase of the talent that is still existing in wwe even though their characters may not be the most popular people but uh and also the, the good of smackdown uh I thought the new day was was good. I thought, I thought it was good. It's great to see just happy go lucky baby faces. Uh, just like you know, just just happy to be there. The music's good. I like the promos. Uh, yeah, it's catchy. Uh, I've got no problem with it. You know, like everyone's like, oh, they're just they're just so over overdone. Why are they in blue? They're all you know. It's, it's I'm fine with it. Three good wrestlers, three good talents. Let's just see what they can do. Like, uh, and of course they'll be on Raw next week, so I'm looking forward to seeing them again. But what did you think of the new day, uh, Aaron? Because it's, it's this is another topical issue of the week. Well, you just said it. I mean, I just had a conversation with a buddy of mine the other day, and he goes, you know, oh, they're now oh, this is so dumb, and you know why are they doing this? And I'm like, they're taking three solid talents, three solid individuals in the ring, and they're putting them together. Why are you upset about that? You know, and and I understand that this this uh, stable is kind of 
arise, I guess, a, a racial uh, discussion as far as, you know, a stereotype and as far as and most more, most prominently, uh, you know, we've seen it in, in the own PWP group um, from a couple of people that who are African-Americans saying that this is a stereotype that, you know, that Biggie is, is, is a stereotype, you know, being a preacher. A lot of people are feeling a little, um, you know, they're kind of bringing the racial card into this. I, I, I can understand that. Of course, I can't speak to that because I'm white and I don't see, I don't see the same way as other people, but um, you know, I don't know. I, I like it. I feel like it's fun. I feel like it's something that people can get behind. I, I feel like, you know, maybe there's a little bit over the top, but that's okay. I mean, WWE's over the top. I mean, everything in WWE's over the top. So why, why should this be any different? I, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I like their moves. I like the their finishing move with the, the inversion of the biggie, the big ending, and, and Xavier Woods coming off the top. Uh, I was a little disappointed with that move as far as that's going to be their kind of finishing move. I, would, I wanted something a little bigger and flashier, but maybe they can work towards that. Um, I liked it as a first debut, and I liked it that it was a surprise. Like we spoke about earlier with SmackDown. I liked that it was a nice surprise um, that we got a debut. Exactly right. Yeah, that was my next point. The the debuts are they should be happening more often. It was good to see. Uh, even though I think they advertised that a new, a new day was actually debuting next week. Uh, obviously, plans change as they, as they do in WWE, but that's fine. Um, the bad of SmackDown. What was the bad points? I mean, like really, I'm sick of dud finishes for main events again. I mean, like Dolph Ziggler versus Luke Harper match didn't need a dud finish i mean like and again it's one of these situations is like okay you don't want you don't want luke harper to lose the intercontinental championship but you don't want Dolph Ziggler to lose uh, to look uh weak either so why even have this match happen yeah if the match is going to end on an account out um especially if like the end game of the situation is for Dolph Ziggler to move on beyond the intercontinental championship and like get involved in the main event picture don't have him associated with Luke Harper. Move Luke Harper onto an- another program. Like, you know, like, I'm sure the matches are going to be good, and I think we're going to get a ladder match out of these two for the Intercontinental Championship. And I'm, I'm thinking mm. that's going to be a definite show stealer. Uh, if that's the case, TLC is actually looking quite good with, with uh, Bray Wyatt and Dean Ambrose in a TLC match and uh, Harper and uh, Ziggler in a ladder match. But uh, that's another heel nor there. The other thing that was really annoying me was that, as, as I think we mentioned before, uh, the cr- crowd reactions in these edited shows just feel so fake and like just so diluted of actual raw organic energy. Um, and I think new a new day kind of suffered from that a little bit as well. Um, I hate when the crowd when they try to make the crowds bigger and more into things when they're actually not as into them. Um, that's one thing that kind of annoyed me. But that's really smack. Do you have any other bad points about SmackDown before we move on, Aaron? No, I mean you covered it right there. I, I, the, the tape show kind of kind of ruined, like we said earlier, it kind of ruins the, the vibe of the entire show. So you made a good point there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a problem that maybe they need to address just here and there. It's not ter- terrible, but something that maybe needs to be addressed later on. Okay, the matches of the week. I mean, like when we get to pay per views, it's kind of hard for that uh, for the for the top three matches of the week to be dominated by uh pay-per-views but here in this week thank god for pay-per-views because there were not really that many amazing matches but uh aaron yeah. slam it out what, what, what were your top three matches of the week well number three for me was uh dean ambrose and luke harper on raw i felt like that was a nice little match of course it ended kind of you know funny but 
Um, you know, I, I think that they kind of put a, put together a nice match. I didn't really think it was going to be that good, and it, it kind of turned out pretty good for me. Number two for me was uh, Finn Balor versus Tyson Kidd on NXT. I thought, you know, like I said earlier, really nice interaction between the two. I thought like Tyson Kidd really shined and proved that he's a uh, should be a staple in NXT to put on a good match for anybody. And number one, of course, was the five-on-five elimination tag team match at, uh, at Survivor Series. You know, from Ziggler looking good, from Sting's interaction, from, you know, just the match in general, I thought that was the match of the week. Yeah, hands down. Match of the week uh, is definitely Tina Authority versus Tim Cena on my side. Nothing even comes close to the impact that that match had and uh, everything that's, that's there. For me. Uh, uh, number two was Bray and Ambrose from the from uh, from uh, Survivor Series. I thought that was a really well-worked match. These guys just really interact with each other well. It feels different. Um, it was a good, like I'd say, technical brawl, if I could say that. I mean, it was, just, it was very well done, and I think that I think these guys have something that, that's uh, definitely uh, worth seeing down the line. I think the TLC match, as pointed out, is going to be fantastic. And Finn Balor versus Tyson Kidd is number three. I mean, that... Uh, it's like uh, we didn't really talk about Finn Balor very much, but I'll just mention it right now. I mean, I think I think these guys like uh, they're they're making sure that these guys don't do as much uh, that we're known for, uh, especially in regards to uh, Finn Balor or uh, Prince Devitt's career in um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I think fans just need to understand that they're that they're they're, t- they're being taught a WWE style match. So you're not going to see all these like varied moves and ones on what and whatnot. And I think Tyson Kidd's kind of teach taught. Uh, uh, Finn Balor that in that match. So, um, but I, that being said, Finn Balor looks great. Tyson Kidd is just another level of greatness right now, just with, with within the ring, and and his promos are coming on uh, coming along nicely. And yeah, um, they are the matches of the week, guys. So do check te- check those all out. I think you can find them on YouTube somewhere if you don't have the WWE Network already. So yeah, as the matches of the week. Now let's get straight into the podcast of the week. I think it's no surprise of what the podcast of the week is going to be. And that is Colt Cabana's uh, exclusive two hour long interview with CM Punk uh, about uh, what happened uh, this January with his uh, departure from WWE. And then obviously much deeper back into uh, the major problems that he's had with WWE since uh, his massive push in 2011. And uh, Aaron, well, let's just break down the three major points of this interview. Cause uh, Running a little bit low in time this week, but that's okay. Well, let's just get through with what we can get through. Um, obviously, why he left was the major issue that was brought up straight away. And I think it's interesting that it's injuries and uh, WWE not paying much attention to them. Uh, obviously, uh, within this interview, uh, Punk brought up the point that he had a series of concussions leading to this, like leading to 2013 and at the start of 2014 and was pretty much treated like, uh, well, he pretty much just completely discredited uh, WWE's concussion uh, tests and said that he was still having concussion uh, symptoms long after being quote unquote tested. And even where, even though he made points about uh, being still injured, uh, the doctors and Vince just blew him off. And do, do you think this, do you think uh, what CM Punk's saying is true in regards to like these con- 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 concussion tests? being like legitimately not that good well here's the biggest point i made from this podcast there's three and this is a kind of a motto i kind of hold in in life in general is there are three sides to every story there's punk side there's wwe side and then there's the truth there's no way either side sees 
things the same way. That's just not how it goes with life in general. You know, people that are taking his word for, for gospel, as far as being 100% true, uh, are, are naive and ingullible. As far as, you know, maybe, maybe all the stuff he said is true, but maybe WWE, maybe Vince, maybe Hunter, maybe the medical staff, sees it a different way or it happened differently from their point of view. So, you know, a lot of people are taking this stuff as gospel. I posted a big, long, you know, update on, on the PWP Facebook page as far as my stance in this article, uh, on this podcast and his kind of tell-all, um, you know, reasonings for this. And, you know, I've changed my tune a little bit. Before, I was solely behind WWE as far as, you know, his departure I, I, I'm sympathetic toward him now. I, I do understand, you know, injuries happen, and, and maybe they didn't take care of uh, CM Punk as they should have. But the people that are saying that he was fired from WWE, yes, of course, he was fired from WWE after he walked out. People are think, people are acting like he was just fired, like just for no reason. The man walked out of his contract. Of course, you're going to fire him. That, that that makes that just makes sense. After you don't show up for three, four months, of course you're going to be fired. So the people that are kind of freaking out saying, oh, he was fired, and you even see some of the TMZ posts, CM Punk, quote, I was fired from WWE. No, you were not fired from WWE. You walked out, and then you were fired. There's a big difference. Yes. Yeah, there, there is a massive difference there. Um, I, obviously, I think uh, – yeah, it's, it's, it's just a very weird series of events that kind of led to Punk departing and obviously it's, it's a good point that you bring up there's there's always three three sides to a story but when it comes to like the way his departure it sounded like triple h and uh vince like he he was very candid about what he was doing and he kind of left and was and was given the chance to leave and he left and then they said that he was suspended and whatnot and yeah, it's it, it, there. Punk definitely paints a very, very weird picture, and especially, uh, it's uh, he definitely paints a picture that he is definitely the victim in this in this situation and a team player, as uh, as he plugs all the way through this interview about the fact that all he really wanted was a WrestleMania main event. That's all he wanted as a, a and the fact that he didn't get it, he considered his career a failure, which is which is but it's very, very sad because he did do some amazing things. Obviously he didn't achieve what he wanted to achieve in regards to the WrestleMania main event, but to discredit his career on that is a bit disappointing. But it does uh paint uh the similar brush that Vince has been painted by for a long, long time. And that's the fact that, you know, like he kind of somewhat uses and abuses talent and kind of leads them on was a carrot and maybe the WrestleMania main event was a carrot that was going to be dangled. Cause it sounds like there's a lot of situations in which punk was injured. Punk was not in a, 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 a mental state to kind of like come back to the, the business after Ryback hurt him after he got injured by Cena, but been considered him to, like wanted him to come back and coaxed him to come back saying that I'll owe you one. And of course, uh, Punk uh, interpreted that to be like, well, if I keep working my ass off and keep doing what Vince says, I'm going to be in the WrestleMania main event, uh, especially uh, come WrestleMania 29. And it sounds like he's also had a lot of like uh, booking uh, clashes with Punk, uh, sorry, with Vince uh, in regards to the Shield. He can compl- he said that the Shield was his idea that he actually pitched it to John. C- uh, sorry. No- and seen it to Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon uh, kind of uh, considered the idea, and all of a sudden Triple H was claiming that, uh, that he created the Shield, and he changed it and made it. It's funny that it's his idea. Um, a lot of situations where Punk felt uh, outsed Aaron 
and uh, do you think I don't know like like is punk like well, punk's known to be a bit of an arrogant guy do you think it, this is all like I don't know like I don't want to say this do you think this is true or not but like what do you think about all this do you, do, do you think uh, WWE is always putting guys like punk down and a main event talent like punk down is this one of the reasons why people walk around on eggshells in WWE and we hear it all the time this is my biggest problem with it, with this uh, podcast, and I might I might go on for a little while here, but I feel like you know Punk is trying to play this sympathy card that everyone should feel bad for him. Oh oh, I'm sorry, Punk. You had to wrestle Undertaker at WrestleMania. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Why don't you go tell that story to Dolph Ziggler and see how he feels about that, and see if he would like to wrestle uh, Undertaker instead. Just the arrogance of this guy to to be upset about wrestling the Undertaker at WrestleMania and then have to face Triple H at WrestleMania 30. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why don't you go talk to guys like Christian or, or William Regal that have been there for years, years, and have never gotten that opportunity, but have worked their ass off just as hard and just as long. Talk to a guy like John Cena. Yes, John Cena's gotten multiple opportunities, multiple title reigns. You know, I'm, the, I'm on the verge of having the most title reigns of all time. That's fine. But don't tell me John Cena doesn't work through injuries or, or John Cena is not injured all the time. So I understand, I, you know, like I said, I am sympathetic toward, you know, the injury stuff. I understand that maybe you wanted some time off here and there. But, you know, you, he's got to understand, he, he kind of, I, he comes across, in my, in my opinion, very selfish in this, uh, in this podcast. You know, me, me, me. Oh, I didn't get my WrestleMania 30, uh, you know, main event. Oh, I left because I didn't get my main event like grow up i mean it's like you know you, you wrestled the undertaker wrestlemania big deal like you, you you wanted to be in the main event you wanted to be uh you know in, in the, you know he just wanted so much and you know maybe he's a proven draw maybe and, and this is another thing right here he kind of talked about the pay scale as far as wrestlemania 29 goes yes. as far as he, he talked about saying that he wasn't paid as much as brock triple h taker uh, rock and cena well, of course not. They're bigger stars than you. All of them. They're all of them are bigger draws than you. So why should you get paid more or just as much? Yes, you probably put on a better match than those other two, those other two matches, but you're not as big a draw. As as much as he wants to believe, people came to see him. People came to see the Rock and Cena. People came to see the Undertaker streak. You know, I, I, I have no doubt that some hardcore fans came to see CM Punk. But no offense to him, he's not as big as a big as a draw than Brock Lesnar or Triple H or or Taker. That's just not the way it goes. So I just feel like he came across very selfish, very uh, woe is me. Uh, everyone feel bad for me, and it just it really came across bad. And, and the funniest thing is he kind of talked throughout the show or throughout the podcast that he didn't want it to be um, a shoot interview. That's what it was. That it was a shoot interview. It wasn't anything else. So it, it just he came across very hypocritical. And very well is made. Yeah, I think that you bring up some great points. Absolutely, like, uh, may, I think it just comes down to the fact that he was never as big as, like, even though he had a following. And the, yes, there was times where storylines were inter- intersected by, by Triple H, and and especially around the 2011 time where Triple H beat 
CM Punk and interviewed, you know, like intervened into that massive storyline and completely killed it. And like, what what part did Triple H had? Yeah, there are some. Listen, I'll say that there are some points in which he brings up that are that do have some merit. But I think at the end of the day, I think one thing is clear, and one thing that was clear by in Vince's mind is that Triple that he was never ever ever a, a big enough star than and his predecessors, and that's why he didn't get his WrestleMania main event. And whose fault's that? Is it is it Punk? Well, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is because like Punk was, he's the first person to admit he's not the easiest person to get along with. No shit. He's been like that since his whole career. And maybe if he was a little bit more of a team player and a bit more like that, he, he could have been a John Cena-esque kind of uh, attraction and pushed like that. Uh, in a, again, he complains about the fact that he does a lot of Make-A-Wish stuff that never saw the light of day. And yeah, I... I <laughs> It's kind of hard because it's coming off out of Phil Brooks's mouth, and Phil Brooks has a has a definite reputation of being a bit of a dick and and a bit of like mm. a selfish, arrogant prick. And I think that's what's come out in this situation. But he does bring up some good points about the politics that uh, have been outlined about WWE for many many years. And like this is just another example of those kind of situations where Vince uh, kind of has his own perception and leads on the talent a bit. And like, you know, there's, I'm sure it's, it's a funny thing. We'll never ever really understand the, the other side of the story. That's being Vince McMahon's story. Maybe we will, maybe we will get that side of the story. A can of view, uh, this Monday after all, uh, in this interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I freaking hope so because, because it would, it would definitely shine some light on, uh, on his perspective, uh, of the situation because it's definitely a hot uh, hot topic. We will definitely be re, uh, re returning to this next week, guys and girls, because apparently uh, Colt Command is coming, uh, bringing Sam Punk back to his podcast next week uh, to answer fan questions uh, and do another show off that. So this could be quite interesting, and I don't think it's it's over by a long shot. Uh, WWE issued a statement uh, about the the points that Punk brought up, and again, it's pretty pretty candid stuff. There's a lot of heat going on right now. It's a definite topical situation. Go to prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. See if you in, agree with the uh, with uh, a lot of opinions going around about that. And also, Punk buried Ryback six feet under. <laughs> uh, again. Check out the podcast to see what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, very interesting podcast. A lot of different opinions coming out of it. Um, we're going to quickly just go uh, to the weekly uh, a weekly visit to the vault uh, and go just very quickly through this uh, great, great Sting match uh, that, you know, obviously Sting debuted this week. I think it's worth checking out uh, a Sting match from uh, many years ago uh, that's always been one of my favorite matches. Uh, and, of course, uh this match is none other than Ric Flair versus Sting for the World Heavyweight Championship at the Great American Bash 1990. Now, uh, both me and Aaron were talking before we went on the air, uh, and Aaron admitted uh, that, uh, you know, WCW wasn't uh, his, his cup of tea growing up, or, or even to this day, WCW matches aren't the, the most uh, watched uh kind of matches in the Ramadoff household, which is fine. Like, I, I, I totally get that. And that's, hey, I grew up in the Attitude Era. I hated WCW. Uh, as I've grown up, though, I'm being glad that I've seen matches like uh, the previous Flair versus Sting match at the first ever Clash of the Champions where uh, Ric Flair single-handedly took Sting to that next main event level. Uh, this match is uh, another... Uh, this is this match is the final uh, World Championship match where Sting finally got the World Heavyweight Championship from Flair. The story leading to this is a thing of beauty. 
it's something that you just don't see on pro wrestling that much anymore. It's Sting was a part of the Horsemen, was brought in by Ric Flair. It looked like Ric Flair was going to be turning babyface here uh, because Sting was helping Flair out in a certain situations. And uh, all the Horsemen didn't like, like Oli Anderson and and uh, and uh, Arn and Anderson, Anderson did not like Sting. Even though that was the case, uh, Flair defended him many, many times. Then Sting became the number one contender for for Ric Flair's World Heavyweight Championship. And it seemed like Ric Flair wanted the competition and all that stuff. And in this amazing segment that you can find on, on, on YouTube right now, Sting is kicked out of the horseman and blindsided by Flair at a time where it looked like Flair was actually going to stand up for him. Uh, and it's just, oh, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, I've already told Aaron he's got to go see it. It's compulsory watching if you're a really great wrestling fan. And this is the hot sh- this, is, this is the angle that sets the whole thing up. Uh, the Horsemen end up injuring Sting. Uh, he's out for many, many months. Uh, the World Heavyweight Championship match is given to Lex Luger, which uh, he eventually loses. Uh, this all builds up to this massive match where Sting brings out the Steiners and Junkyard Dog uh, to the ring at Great American Bash. And Ollie Anderson is attached to... Yes, Elegante being uh, uh, Giant Gonzalez from WWF fame, <laughs> which is a bit hokey. It's very, very WWF in that regard, but the match itself is just a thing of absolute beauty in regards to Flair has this, this it's a typical Flair match and that is not a knock on Flair. It's fantastic. Uh, Sting's got the charisma to, to, to back it up. Just awesome, awesome stuff. Go check it out, everybody. Uh, Sting. So that's a Flair versus Sting, uh, GAB90. Flair versus Sting, GAB90 on YouTube if you're looking for it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great match. Um, so that, we're just going to wrap everything up uh, tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you really enjoyed the show. Aaron, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and I hope you have a good week, man. Oh, you too. Uh, should be good. Uh, we'll do this again next week, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do check us out on uh, Twitter if you want to. Uh, my obviously my Twitter handle is at wrestling capital W capital R capital B uh, for uh, for that. And Aaron, what's your Twitter handle again? Um, Aaron, well, I'm at Aaron underscore PWP. Aaron is spelled E R O N. And of course, you can follow the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse uh, Twitter page at Team underscore PWP. And this, this, as I said, tons of great content up there, guys. Uh, well, that's it for this week, guys. And I'll catch you on the next Wrestling's Week That Was. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.